Welcome to our second class in the study of 1 Timothy. I'll do some reading in just a moment from chapter 1. I'll briefly mention what we covered in that first class, and then we'll be taking up verses 3 through 7, leading to applications for us today. Thank you for being with us. These are brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas, and this is the second class in our study of 1 Timothy. So this epistle is from God through Paul to Timothy, and we are reading Timothy's mail, preserved for our benefit today. Listen to 1 Timothy 1, verses 1 through 7. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ, our Lord. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. I mentioned in our first class that you see immediately in 1 Timothy chapter 1 causes for alarm. Timothy needed to stay there in Ephesus, and the apostle told him to charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. This is something never to be taken lightly. When something other than gospel truth is being spread, if sinners are hearing the wrong message represented as if it were from God, and if saints are being exposed to error, this can never be brushed off or taken lightly. Timothy is to charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. There's other content here in chapter 1 that sounds an alarm, and we're going to get into that also. Continuing now at verse 3, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 3. What we hear is a strong sense of urgency. This is not just an academic debate for entertainment. This is not some sort of incidental matter that may have some interest. It says here in the English Standard Version at verse 3, I urged you. Well, that's a form of the word urgent. Paul had previously spoken to Timothy about this. 
Now, as he writes this letter, the same issue, the same problem required the same level of alertness. So let's stop here and make a list of what these men were doing that was so destructive. We know that later in the chapter, two men will be named. At this point in verse 3, Paul simply says, certain persons. And here's what they were doing. Look down through these verses in chapter 1. Teaching a different doctrine, devoting themselves to myths and endless genealogies, promoting speculation, swerving, wandering into vain discussions. There were men who desired to be teachers, but they didn't know what they were talking about. They were not qualified with good understanding. And then if you'll note over in verse 10, a little beyond where we are, Paul speaks of things contrary to sound doctrine. These are all reasons to be on the alert. Urgency is required. When there are people like this seeking access to Christians and preaching a different gospel, you cannot just look the other way and let them do their destructive work without censor and warning. Timothy is to stay there in Ephesus, and he is to speak up. He is to preach the word against any contrary messages. I believe speaking up, not just directed to the false teachers, but also teaching those who might fall under their influence. Help those who could be deceived and who are deceived. Take everybody to the truth from God. If everyone is being nourished by the word, that's the charge given to gospel preachers. And what we're talking about here is urgent. Paul said, I urge you. Here is Timothy's charge in verse 3 that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. There is strong implication in this passage, in this context, but here stated in very direct terms, there is only one message from God that is the message of salvation in Christ and worthy of preaching. The gospel message we have on the pages of the New Testament, nothing else has the power of the gospel. Nothing else will take people out of sin. Nothing else guides us in belief and practice that honors and glorifies God. Nothing but the word. Now that's exclusive. There is a singular message from God that everybody needs to hear. That's exclusive, a singular message from God that everyone needs to hear. In our modern society, what is celebrated is plurality. Believe anything, do what you want, make up your own religion, follow any human tradition you like, make a choice of any denomination, if you like absolute truth, 
then not only like absolute truth from God, but practice it and follow it because it cannot be canceled. The apostles of Christ delivered one message of salvation. And if you like that absolute truth that's in that message, then engage in it, do not swerve from it, and know that it can't be canceled. Now, here's this young preacher doing his work among Christians in Ephesus, trying to reach the lost, and there are certain persons who are preaching a different message. In addition to that, their behavior and their agenda is not productive of healthy spiritual life for the false teachers or for those who would be under their influence. Timothy must deal with that. He must accept the challenge to charge these people to stop teaching false doctrine. Not an easy assignment, but it was his charge, and he was entrusted with this duty. Think about telling someone to stop what they're doing. Think about telling somebody, don't say that, don't teach that, don't spread that message. It isn't God's message. That's just not easy. It's not comfortable. But when souls are at stake, when people are being deceived and Christians are swerving from what is right, we need to get into this corrective mode because we love the truth, we love God, and we love the people who are being deceived. It is what God expects, and it's good for the people we're correcting, especially if they accept that correction and come back to the truth. There were people who should have been paying attention to what the apostles were teaching, but instead they were all wrapped up in myths, endless genealogies, speculations, rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. I think there have always been people who love conspiracies, rumors, speculation that is out on the edge of excitement and drama and some new thing, rather than being a good steward of God, using his word to ground you and nourish you. I'm going to be at verse 5 in just a moment. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. When a preacher of the gospel speaks out against false teaching, one of the classic criticisms is, that's not the loving thing to do. This says, 1 Timothy 1, 3-7, we're at verse 5. This says, it is absolutely the loving thing to do. In fact, the aim of the charge is love that comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. If somebody comes into your life and teaches you false doctrine, something contrary to Scripture, <clears throat> and I say nothing, and if you're in a church with elders and they do nothing, and we all just let it go, that's evidence of a lack of love. That's evidence we do not love you as we should. 
We are not pure in heart and in work, and our faith is not well-based. Illustration. If somebody is trying to poison me, and you know it, I want you to say something to me. Likewise, if I start polluting the message with ideas that have no basis in Scripture, and I'm leading people away from God and truth, so that they're listening to lies and not the truth, I need to be dealt with, and it needs to be urgent. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Do you see how important this is? This is important as part of being faithful to God. These certain persons, some of them named later, wanted to be teachers, but their ambition was not combined with knowledge and faith. They desired to be teachers of the law, but they didn't understand what they were saying, and they didn't really grasp the function of God's law. Paul says to Timothy, here's something basic, the false teachers do not understand, and I take it they willfully didn't understand this. God's law has this vital function of keeping people from destructive behavior. I want you to listen now to verses 8 through 11. God's law has this vital function of keeping people from destructive behavior. Listen to verses 8 through 11. Now, we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. What destructive behavior is God's law designed to keep us away from? Look at the list. Those who strike their fathers and mothers, murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. So you have certain persons wanting to be teachers, yet not understanding this basic function of God's law to keep people away from sin and to keep people living in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. That's 1 Timothy chapter 1 down through verse 7. Here's my wrap-up. When people are swerving from what is good and wandering from the faith, we cannot just mourn their departure or complain or do nothing or just say goodbye. 
Now, when we speak, according to Ephesians 4.15, we must speak the truth in love, ridicule, insulting criticism, and self-righteousness will not serve us well, or those we seek to recover, but we are in the business of helping people be right with God, and sometimes that can be hard work. If somebody's house is on fire, if somebody's being poisoned or assaulted, we come to their defense. Preachers and all of us need to use good responses in our efforts to recover people from their journeys away from God and bring them back to the objective, complete revelation of truth God gave through the apostles of Jesus Christ. Thank you for being with us.